This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from the home studio on as my guest. Someone I don't know too well, the audience doesn't know too well, a little bit of a mystery. Uh, I'm not sure exactly, you know, where he is, who he is. It's senior columnist from the Athletic Bay Area, Marcus Thompson. Marcus, you're in Denver? I think I'm in is that Denver. I just I realized when I was I was texting you and Mountain Time is MT, so I'm texting you MT. I was like, oh, I wonder if he's going to think I'm texting to him. I'm actually just saying Mountain Time. I, I literally thought that's what you were doing. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I made it. He's calling. <laughs> yeah, hey, MT, seven thirty, MT. I'm, I'm out here writing your toast. Yes, <laughs> you didn't. You're not toasting me. You're not toasting. You're toasting Bob Meyer. You're not toasting. I'm writing me. your toast. It's coming. It's and Myers coming. gets one. I should, I understand Myers getting one, and he and we'll talk about Myers. Guarantee everybody. Uh, we might start on another topic, but I, I got to get a toast at some point. Bob Myers, yes, I'm sure, and I'm sure he appreciated this. He could use one. I think he might be taking like six or seven toasts actually from right many different people. Let's start, though, with something that's on my mind, and we really haven't talked about this, and I think people would be interested in hearing the MT view on all this A's Las Vegas stuff. I mean, creeping towards a deal in Las Vegas, $395 million in public money done in many different ways. We don't know if it's actually going to happen. They've switched sites already. John Fisher and Dave Cavill don't show up to the hearings, you know, with Nevada legislature, which may or may not be ready to pass it no matter what. MT, Oakland, the town, how do you view all this? How do you view what the A's are trying to pull off here? It's incredibly infuriating, and it's a violation of, of the journalistic ethics that I've been instilled with to be so, like, you know, emotionally tied <laughs> to it. So I, I really try. It's hard to say something because, like, of all the things, like it, like it matters a little bit too much. You know, it's 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 very infuriating. I take a lot of joy in your tweets about it. <laughs> I, take, I do tweet I take about a, it. I I I'm, I'm in the background like yeah yeah take. like it's it's unconscionable. It's embarrassing, uh, and it definitely feels personal. It feels personal that there's a large segment of the population who somehow thinks it's Oakland's fault and not this ridiculous owner and just enabling major league baseball system, the process that allows them to get away with this. I mean, this is embarrassing. It's embarrassing what they've become. <laughs> right? Like this is not just on the baseball field, but it's certainly embarrassing on the baseball field. 
but it's just the whole manipulations of this, the sales job, you know, I mean, do you think were you, are you good with Oakland not having, like saying, you know what, if this is what it's going to take, we don't need to be in this business. Do you want? Yes. I'm, I'm there TK. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm at this point where I'm like, goodbye. Uh, you know, maybe this is good. Maybe, maybe, you know, Oakland never gets to, you know, a team again. Like, Things change, man. Society changes. Like evolution happens, right? It, and that's just part of it. But at minimum, it feels like there needs to be a cleansing, <laughs> right? There needs to be. There, there's clearly there's this idea of how sports in the city operates here that needs to change, and it's hard for the parties involved to see it. Uh, and obviously, Oakland is like not L.A., but. I was I was meeting with uh, our Colorado Avalanche talking with our Colorado Avalanche beat writer Peter Ball, who's from St. Louis, and he went through this with mm. the Rams. And it's like one of the things that stung St. Louis people is you know Stan Kroenke wanted a privately a publicly funded stadium in St. Louis, but we paid yeah. paid for everything in, in Los Angeles. And it's like Good point. I feel that way about like this. This probably needs to happen for everybody to see that Oakland and the Bay area is just no longer one of those places where you get handouts. Like don't even ask. It's not happening. When you go to LA, you're not asking for money. You go to New York, you're not asking for public subsidy. Right. So perhaps it, this just needs to happen because that paradigm needs to change. And as a resident, like we we all know no but people don't get breaks here yeah. <laughs> right like like the people don't get breaks so the billionaires should get breaks so i'm resigned to it i'm like goodbye go the mate like manfred is not interested in holding you accountable so baseball just needs to go and you know perhaps in in time Somebody will say, hey, remember how great Oakland was? Let's kind of go back. But the Howard Terminal deal wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. <laughs> right, exactly. Or the Coliseum. Or the Coliseum. Like, like, you, like you, don't, you don't ask for money from San Francisco. Didn't get any. Like, you just, I mean, you did. Like, they did. And San Francisco and the 49ers ended up in Santa Clara. Like, the Giants were on the precipice of leaving. Like, they just don't. Some of these places are just, it's just too big. Like you just can't give money, and if 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 it needs to change, it needs to change. It's clearly changing, and if the sports aren't ready to get with that, then they got to go. And I'm I'm fine with that at this point. If you're Oakland and this deal does not happen, you fine with reopening the negotiations. If this Vegas thing does not happen, like in the next two weeks, I think it has to happen like in the next two weeks or something like that, or a special session or whatever it is. You're the mayor. You go okay. Well, let's talk some more. Yeah, I feel like it's headed that way. I just, I'm, I mean, like I said, I'm, I just, I live vicariously through your tweets. I, I have no confidence they're going to get anything remotely close to done. I have every belief that. Well, if they're going to do it, it's going to be a terrible deal for Nevada, right? I yeah, mean, that, yeah. Like that's that, that's has to be accepted, and I think they've generally accepted that. Like these people voting for it haven't looked at the deal. They haven't gone line by line. It's been put together in like six days. So they're just accepting whatever, <laughs> the, whatever it's going to cost. And we know it's going to cost a ton in the future. Cause we know these forecasts are built on like selling out every seat in the stadium yes. every single time and taxing those dollars. Those, you know, they average 21,000 
there's that's a lot of money that's not going to show up. Yes, and nine thousand seats on the table. Plus, yeah, who's, right? yeah, yeah. who's going to make up for that? It's going to be you know Nevada taxpayers. But I think they've decided it's like okay, this is the cost yeah. of it. Let's get a team. Let's just get a team. That's fine with. That's fine if they want to do that. Like they, I feel like they do have the. Like I understand that you know Nashville or Tennessee or Nashville whatever just like said hey man we got you <laughs> like who like something man, if that's if that's what the people want like I think the people should get that if they want to take the L take the L I don't think it's a smart move right especially if, like I, I got I, I got Mark Davis more than I get Fisher mm-hmm. like Mark Davis is a liquor store owner right <laughs> like, like he's a mom and pop shop you know what I'm saying like he out here trying to make it like I, he's like, the he son felt, of a liquor store owner yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I like I don't I don't I don't have the same like like he it, like I understand his more like I understand his like he just don't have two billion dollars to do this right like I get it like Fisher's a period because he's got it, right? Like, like he's got it. And and Major League Baseball is essentially helping him run this scam. Like, all they have to do is say, yo, man, relocation fee. And it's all done, right? Like, like the Howard Terminal's built, like whatever state is built, hey, you got to pay a relocation fee. It just kills any incentive. It kills any advantage going anywhere else. But they're like, yeah, we'll waive it. So they're like, is he, I get Mark Davis more, but if if Vegas wants to do that, listening to people, I know it's Twitter. I know Twitter ain't the world, but you hear some people, and don't sound like it's unanimous. No, no, right? Oh, it's against like, the like, will of the population. If by any poll, it's like they're, they're that's why they're not putting it up to a vote. It's certainly not up to a vote of the people. The vote of the legislator is they just they want a baseball team. You know, they they want that. Part cloud, of yeah. yeah, there's a cloud that cloud. comes with it. There, there's some value there. That's why I wouldn't be mad if it comes back to the table. My question, I'm curious. Do you think if, I mean, a- after Peralta, after Howard Terminal, and somehow this Vegas deal falls, do you think? I mean, obviously, selling is the number one option, but do you think that changes their approach coming back to the table, or is there are they just so stubborn that it's like, yeah, nah. We'll do this another two years. Good. Okay, Portland. Sounds like a good yeah, Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. I don't think Rob Manfred is a buffoon. He has acted like one through this, but my he's only not, yeah. my only through line of this for like three, four years now is he's pushing this and pushing this and pushing this as best he can to get it done with John Fisher, whether it was Howard Terminal, because you know they pushed hard for Howard Terminal. And whether it's Las Vegas, obviously they're putting all the stops out for Las Vegas. But if it doesn't work, I think that's where Manfred said, I tried everything. John Fisher, would you please sell? Now, he can't force him to sell. But then you start taking away, the, you know, the uh, the, the funding. Uh, you start taking away, you know, whatever benefits you've gotten from the commission. Maybe they pull that all away. And then John Fisher, you sell. You just sell. Now, I don't know that John Fisher actually will sell. He can play this out in Nashville. He can play this out wherever. But I got to believe, like, this is the last play. I think this is the last play. I thought the last play was the last play. I know, I know. I keep saying it. And then, you know, it doesn't mean John Fisher has to listen to it either. And it's just embarrassing, right? You know, why did Chris Cohen sell? He wasn't really being pressured. He just wanted out. And he saw that 300. I think it was your columns. It was was me. It was me. John, uh, I've heard that. It might have been me a little bit. Uh, But you can't be shamed into it if you're shameless. 
So, and John Fisher and Dave Cowell have shown that they're pretty shameless. I just think the MLB's thought, thought process is if they can't get this done, if we we've made ourselves look silly trying to jam this through and it doesn't get through, then then maybe he sells. There's plenty. Here's of what I don't get. Relocation fee would have been what like like seven hundred million. Yeah, yeah. close. Yeah. Like, minimum minimum five hundred million. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right. They're waiving it. Why not instead just be like that relocation fee you paying us? Put it towards the money you're asking the city to come up with. Yep. It's the solution right there. Like yep. we're talking three hundred and eighty million dollars. Like relocation fee covers it. Like hey. That relocation fee, give it to us, and we're gonna we're gonna give that to the project. Like it feels solvable. It feels so solvable. It's a twelve billion dollar project, and it's being held up by like the the roundup change that you give to charity, right? Like no, no question, no question. Like what are we talking about? It's it's like sixty. It's like sixty million dollars, seventy million dollars. I think Casey Press did a great job on this for Channel Seven. It's like sixty, seventy million dollars was the shortfall theoretically at Howard Terminal. And they've said they say they've paid a hundred million dollars for that effort, right? They've paid a hundred million dollars. I keep saying, what are the receipts of that? I, I don't believe it. If you just didn't do that, and you, you, you that would cover this friggin' shortfall at Howard Terminal. Yes, there's other a lot of other ways that the Howard Terminal could have worked. And you look at you know other people said this Howard Terminal takes all this massive amount of you know all this stores, restaurants, apartments, businesses. All these things, other things have to be built. That's the problem with Howard Terminal because it's how are you going to do this all at once? And you go to Vegas for nothing. You're getting none of that. You're no, getting no, no. a baseball park. Why don't just go to Coliseum at that point? Like, <laughs> yes, it's, I just uh, so much of this doesn't make sense. So much of this is just yeah, desperation, last play, desperation on Fisher's part, desperation on Vegas's part. I think they think they're going to get. You know, that's the the big MLB. Pressure is like, you don't get the A's, you're not getting expansion. Like, that's not happening. And I've heard, yeah, Charlotte, Nashville, like, those are ahead of them right now. So maybe, like, this, like, whatever we got to do, whoever we got to, you know, just gulp down, we're going to take John Fisher, and then we're going to deal with it later. But it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad deal. The the municipality is not, like, innocent in all of this, but that's kind of the point of the private funding is to – as best you can eliminate that element, right? Like, like, you know, obviously you're gonna have to deal with them to a certain extent, but you've got them like writing grant letters to the state for money. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, it's it's very rinky dink. It's 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 just it's it's embarrassing. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this turnout on June 13th of the fans who like gonna show up and see all. A's fans do have a pretty loyal fan base. It may not be the hugest, but it's at its core incredibly maniacal. Like the, the story, feel like it's never going away. I am, you know what I am? I'm exhausted by it. TK, I am exhausted by it. It's just, I remember being excited about Peralta and then realizing <laughs> it was like. Of a premature press release. That was this like the start of the Athletic Bay Area, by the way. That was like was that the first year of Athletic Bay? Yes, Area? yes. That's when that, that was almost five years ago. They're going. I think five years ago, December is right in there, and then that thing blows up in about two months. And this this whole process has been backing up ever since then. The Howard Terminal, all, all the different, all the different little false starts. 
PR spins, claims, counterclaims, parallel. Tra- it's just been, it's tired. You're right. It's tired. And the poor, that poor mayor, she just jets in Shang Tao and she's Walks like, right I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to deal with this. And I, I totally give her credit. Like, I respected that 1000%. Like, look, we're not, done. you're not playing us. Uh-uh. You're not playing us. <laughs> not her deal. It's not her deal. You know, her I mean, deal. I did hear that, you know, like last December that, it had to happen during Libby Schaaf's tenure was her deal. She was a lead politician. She was willing to get out front on it. And once her tenure came up in two terms, she couldn't get reelected that John Fisher decided this wasn't going to happen. But as we said, it's not over that much, but that 85 million, whatever that number is that he couldn't it's get. So to, small. It's so yeah. small. That's the part that's so embarrassing. I'd also heard like, that. Sell, sell, sell a mistake. Sell like uh, whatever percentage of the share you get the money. <laughs> like you don't lose control, right? <laughs> MC, Steph will buy it. Buy it. Yeah. Steph will buy it. You can buy it. I was going to say, you yeah, can facts. jump in there. <laughs> All right. People my, may or may not be tuning in to hear you and me talk a little Warriors. We do talk Warriors. We have talked Warriors uh, since the Bob Myers thing. But you and I, I think, go a little deeper on this just because uh, we have a long history with Bob. Mine goes back to playing days at UCLA. Yours certainly goes when his first early days here. You wrote a nice column about just what he meant, what, what just – the, the the tenor of the team kind of changed when he showed up. Uh, we'll see if they continue this. But just when you when you think back on now, you know it's been almost a week, whatever, three days, four days. What are you thinking about with the Bob Myers departure? You're thinking about like what do the Warriors do next? Are you thinking about his impact? What's what's kind of going through your mind a few days after we've all you know kind of had time to digest the news? I'm thinking about where the hell is Wardell Stephen Curry the second? He's like ghosting. He's like you. Dark. He's ghosting you. He's uh, he's uh, he's on the he's golf on, course. He's on a, He's on yeah on a golf course somewhere. Like like I'm not I'm not dealing with this right now. And I don't know. I'm curious if that means like he's hurt enough to be fine with it, or he's too upset that he can't hmm. he gets off right now. Right? Like I, I that's that's to, to me the next shoe that's gonna drop and. It became that, especially after watching, like, once Joe Lacob got up there, it was like, yo, this dynamic is going to be very interesting. Like, there are so many elements at play where, I mean, you wrote about it, right? Like, you wrote about all the stuff that presumably Mike Dunleavy or whoever takes his place got to deal with uh, and what, what he's got waiting for him. And that definitely falls on, like, Steph, Draymond, like, they got to deal with it, too. So, that's the part where I'm like, okay, that's the next kind of like reaction I, I, I want to get. I want to get wind of, or I want to, you know, understand. He told me he was going dark, so I'm not. I'm not surprised. He's, he's got to play that. Go, he's got to get him out. You got to play that match, whatever that you know. That's in July, though, ain't it? It's I thought July, it was late June. June. Yeah, he's got to be. Yeah. It certainly got to be after finals because he he agreed to it before the Warriors were eliminated. Here's my guess. Just you know him better than me, but. If Steph was upset, we would get a feel of it. That's what I think. Like, if he was really mad, this is changing everything. I can't believe Like, he would – there would be kind of tremors, I believe. It doesn't mean he's happy about it. Obviously, he wanted Bob to stay. But I think they all get it. I I mean, Bob even said it. Like, Steph, like, wasn't even trying to convince him. He knew it it wasn't happening. Uh, I think there is some – decent amount of peace that it's going to be Mike Dunleavy Jr. If it's not Dunleavy, 
then then we might hear other tremors. But I think that's who it's going to be. And at least even if they don't say it right away, he's going to run the draft. He's running the draft workouts now. And I think we would have felt something from Steph and Draymond. Like Draymond's done two podcasts and at least one podcast since then. And certainly it hasn't sounded the alarm uh you know or like even about what their decisions are going to be are they going to re-sign draymond are they going to you know what are they going to do and trade away and like all these things I think if, if if there was a shift in the franchise because of this i think we'd be feeling it now my guess you know they've certainly had a lot of time to deal like you know weeks and weeks and months of bob yeah, Meyer probably, speculation knew anyway yeah they and, and kind of like okay if this is what's going to happen at least let's do it our way let's do the transition our way um I think we would. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll get you know different. I'm Steph. We'll reappear at some point, and we'll we'll get some sense of that. But I don't think they're like in a panic. But the other thing you got a picture, and I'm sure their picture. Can you imagine Dunleavy at that podium, like just dealing with Andrew Wiggins stuff, dealing with you know with Draymond punching Jordan Poole? Like maybe he can do it, but I cannot. Can you picture that right now? Like Mike Dunleavy taking questions about Andrew Wiggins not wanting to take get the vaccine. Like that was Bob Myers' yeah. job. I can't picture Kirk doing it either. No, no, no. <laughs> no, definitely. And that and I you, mean that's a that's a big part of the job though. Like when you're when you're on the Warriors, a lot of it is being the face. You know who would be by default then. Unless he's like, yeah, that's not my job, but Steve Kerr. Is the I was guy gonna say Steve Kerr. Yeah. yeah, he don't want to do it, right? He don't. Yeah, want to do it. clearly, he was very happy to be like, that's Bob. Yeah, <laughs> right. He'd rather he'd rather uh, tangentially discuss the leak. <laughs> yeah, so he really wanted to do that one. That was like he was furious about that. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I mean, I understand what happened with the punch, but how is this getting out? Like, <laughs> Violation of our sake. You can totally see Steve having talking points and they get mad about something. Just, yes. just get off of them. Like, yeah, nah, I got something to say about this. Yep. So, yeah, that, that's going to be tough. I, I agree with you. I think if he was out about it, we would know. I think he's had enough time, and he obviously talked about. And what what we learned from that press conference, which could have been just, you know, incredible acting, but what we learned from it is that there probably wasn't anything that could be done about it, yeah. you know, and as much as they as much as they love Bob, like if Bob is telling Steph Curry, I can't do this anymore, then what is Steph supposed to do? Like, what is he what, what is he supposed to be mad about? I do think there's going to be some question marks about what does this mean moving forward? Like, how does that work when it's when the player is when they're like, yeah, we we want you to go get this player. We want Avery Bradley, and then Michael <laughs> Levy's like, well, GP two is it? Like, how does that work? Yep, yep. You know, like or hey, we got this plan to go get KD, but I'm gonna dispatch you. Hey, yeah, I'm a new GM, and you know I've known you for a couple, a little bit of time, but now I'm running points. So, Steph, I need you to go talk to this dude. You do this, and you know all that. Like the the, the point guard, the floor general that Bob Myers is when it's time to go do stuff like that. Like those to me, like are the question marks. And to me, the bigger question mark is going to be if if they want something. For instance. I mean, TK, there might be a desire for some of the veterans to get more veterans on the roster. Yeah, it might be. Right? might be for the eighth straight year. Right. So when they're saying to the GM, we can't have six <laughs> youngsters on the roster who can't play, like, all right, two or three is cool. 
Like, how is that message now translated up to the guy who's going to make the ultimate decision to Joe Laker, right? Like, like, do do you say it because you trust that, you know, they, they know, like, this is crazy. I don't want this guy on the roster. I don't want and Bob Myers is going to take that and take it upstairs in a way that's productive. And you know you can kind of say it to him how you want because you know him. Like, all that little stuff has to be figured out and learned it. And it's not that it's bad or they can't do it or won't do it, but you just got to do it. Right. And you, you got to kind of figure it out. To me, those are the things because, you know, you lose Dante, you got to go get somebody, right? Like you got to, you know, you, you, you want to get an upgrade. You're going to have to make a move. And it's like, yo, we want this guy moved, but you know, Joe Lego don't want this guy moved. And how does that communication work? Uh, to me, that's the part that becomes the the future issue of how do they all work it out. I do not believe for a second Mike Dunleavy can't do that, right? Like these, like Steph and Draymond are probably the most, you know, I don't want to say amenable because Draymond can be like, you know, not amenable. But if you approach them with reason, they will respond with reason, right? Like they're malleable in that sense like they they want to work with the front office they want to do that so of course mike dunleavy can't do it but it is the process of doing it i think steph as he always does has already gotten through whatever he felt and is already processing okay here's what we have now how do we get through that right like we it's done okay what what's next well he did it when they fired mark jackson right i mean absolutely he was pissed about it he was really mad like he was campaigning (laughs) publicly for it not to happen it happens and he deals with it he deals with it and he'll deal with this we'll see how yeah i agree with you we can't say don't leave you can't i mean you know do you you think this means part of his like you think this means he knows all right at least i got very by yeah steph yes like they're not switching from the yeah. stuff they were talking about, like people ask me, you think, you know, Draymond's going to, you know, change his mind, and not come back. I, th- I said, I think Draymond knew all this was likely to happen when he said, I expect to be back. Like, this isn't like Draymond just saying it and then hoping all these other pieces come in. That's why he's coming back. Like they had already figured it out. I think they're smart. Everyone around here is smart. And like Steph and Draymond are going to do another year together, at least. Like There's Andrew, never not any calculation to it, right? It's yeah. always oh, it's like calculation. Draymond, I always said, I think I said this before, Draymond, I'm sure his agent was, knows what the market was for him. Maybe the market changes. Maybe there's an offer out there. Who knows? But I just don't think Draymond says that just blindly, like thinking, oh, we you know Bob Myers is back and we're going to do this. No, like he knew Bob Myers could be gone when he said this, when he's gone all in this doesn't mean it's guaranteed i just think they know that's part of this is hey they're they got one or two more years of this left like that's what they got maybe one more year left of clay and i'm a little you know i'm the one only saying this why is this all this talk about giving clay a new extension like why do you have to do that he's making 43 million dollars next year like you're like you do not have to do that and if you just take that off if you turn that into zero or 10 or 12 after this year then all this money problems, you don't have them anymore. You just don't. So you're not as good a team if you don't have Clay Thompson worth $40 million, but he's not worth $40 million anymore. He's worth 26 yeah. or whatever. So um, I just think all these things are been calculated by these guys. They've seen it. They felt it. And if it's Dunleavy, he's going to kind of continue this. I think they would feel that. And Steve's got, you know, Steve for another year, 
all these things aren't really i've been kind of writing this like i think this next year is is the last dance like that's because it's clay's last year unless he redoes a deal it might be steve's last year this is it, we'll see how long steph's in his prime but maybe nah, might, yeah I mean, ain't no last dance when it loans their steph three oh yeah i mean three oh is like it's they might have to retool around him a little it's not jordan leaving you know steph's not that but it's yeah, yeah, it's more a version but of. But I also think last Clay season. don't leave either. I think not only. Well, I guess Bob Myers left. Yeah, Bob, Bob, like, no, like, there's the one. Yeah, Bob there's the left. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I keep saying this on our podcast, like the Wars Plus Minus. This one, what you say and and write about better than anybody, and I write about too, is the Steph Draymond element of this is humongous. People don't get how much. They, I'm just gonna say, they did not want James Wiseman on the team anymore last season. Like they were the ones, maybe more than Steve. Kerr was in there too. Like Steve was clearly part of that process. But Joe said the players (laughs) had a point of view on this too, and it was the fact that Wiseman could not play with the top guys, and he was making this big money next season. That's when that's when they came to the compromise. Which was just preventing the help they need no question no. i mean they that. understand what the top end of the dollar amount can possibly be it just the the input from steph and john which they should have which they've earned the right to have is not any something anybody can should just kind of gloss over it's there it's like it's just even when they don't say anything everybody in the franchise knows what they want and no question. it's just this elemental push like this is what we want this is what we've done this is what we've accomplished get us our guy they don't flip out when they don't get what they want clearly you know av bradley is like the number one example but it's there That's literally you're right yeah, yeah. and is dunley, <laughs> is dunleavy gonna be able to yeah you know you have to hear them out you have to listen they have to feel listened to and then they have to be like appreciated for these opinions and see what they can do and you know again i kept saying people are getting mad at me when i was writing you know quoting joe saying all these positive things about Wiseman before they traded him. It's like, you know what? They still traded him. Like, you know, they still did trade him. Joe did relent on that. And, but Bob was the kind of the grease of all that. He was the guy in the middle to make sure the compromise could happen, whatever he found. We know he liked Wiseman, right? Bob liked Wiseman. They all did. They all did. Well, not Steve, but. uh, Yeah. I mean, initially, like when they. Oh, no, they all were in on drafting. They all were in on drafting him. Uh, but do you think Dunleavy has had these conversations with Stephen Drummond like through the season? I do think Dunleavy is a very smart dude, right? Like he's he's uh you know one of them high IQ type of guys. I think he took this thing because he knew he wanted to be a GM, and he probably saw a path. I'm sure he's well aware of whatever frustrations Bob Myers had, which is why he went and handpicked Mike Dunleavy to be his right hand. So it would be wild to me if he didn't think, I need to probably start talking to Steph Curry guy. <laughs> right? I need to build with this Draymond Green guy. Because, yeah, I do think they've talked about it. I do think uh, they've had these conversations. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how. It's just we, what we know about Bob. If he's like, yo, I'm leaving you, Steph. But here's why I, I think this is okay. Like, he's probably saying, you could trust Mike, don't leave me, right? Like, I didn't leave you, like, with nothing. Like, so I do think those conversations have been, have been had. I do feel like, you know, also, like, Sean Livingston, right, 
who that's kind of his gig is to be that that go between. Uh, I do feel like these conversations are had, which is why everybody seems to be fine, right? Like it's like all right, all right. There's at least a plan moving forward. Uh, now, what happens if Joe says, "You know what? I'm changing the plan. Yeah. Somebody becomes available. Let's go get him." Because yeah. you know, <laughs> you could. I would. That wouldn't be above. That wouldn't be like above Joe. Like, like, hold on, this guy was available. Let's, let's, let's go do it. Sam Hinkie. Sam Hinkie's. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. then you might have to. But I do feel like. I mean, just from the idea, from the general sense that wh- whoever it is or whatever happens next, it include. It's already been clearly decided that they want Draymond back. So yeah. that's that's kind of a. Uh, a microcosm of the the continuity they are trying to make. They've had to have talked about this already. Yep. Like Mike Dunleavy, I mean, maybe he takes a GM job out of with a roster he don't want, but like, <laughs> I, mean, I, I figure I, he's got options, right? Like, no. well, Bob kept saying if he wants the job, if yeah, he yeah, wants yeah. the job, like I think he was in, trying to emphasize that like they still got to negotiate with this guy. Uh, but it's interesting that Bob basically handpicked his replacement, like right. I mean, no one else was yeah. saying Mike Dunleavy Jr. is the guy before he he got moved into that position. No question. So Bob could have said Sean Livingston. He could have said, you know, Leandro Barbosa. He could have said Zaza Pachulia. He's a Mike Dunleavy. So it just it just is so you know these things don't always or almost never happen smoothly. But it's built to happen smoothly. Uh, it's built to. And then we see what Mike Dunley's up to. Yeah, right? we see, see what happens. It sounds good when you're the assistant GM, right? Yeah. Then you know yeah. you get the big seat. Like he didn't get those Joe Lega calls. He did not get those. And we know that, right? He did not get those Joe Lega calls. Not the five. If, if it's twenty, <laughs> if it's twenty going to Bob, it's not, <laughs> that's not much for nobody else. Yes, <laughs> at three a.m. You know, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe he's a little younger. Maybe three thirty a.m. Maybe maybe four a.m. for 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 Mike Dunleavy Jr. Yeah. Nah, um, he ain't, he ain't any other thoughts, any but... other Myers thoughts? I mean, I I wanted uh, I thought about know, doing kind of a retrospective, but you know what? I, I did what I did, and you did what you you, you did the more re- retrospective thing. Maybe I'll come out with something later. But any other thoughts on Myers? Here's here's what I liked. You know, one of the things that I you know growing up in the Bay Area and you know, surrounded by Bay Area journalism and then like growing up under it. One of like the things that we've all always looked forward to was like that kind of relationship that y'all had with like the general managers of like the great 49ers. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you would hear people talk about like Bill Walt, right? And you hear people talk about Eddie D, right? Uh, and even, you know, like Harbaugh, and especially like the greatest reporter general manager relationship of all time was you and Trent Baalke, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> no, no, still, still, still. <laughs> or, you know, you hear the stories about Al Davis, right? So it was hitting me like, like Bob Myers was my guy, right? Like, that was, yeah. that, that was my era of like, yo, all right, now I'm in this thing. Like I'm a, I'm a professional local reporter, right? And you got to deal with somebody who matters, right? That was, Bob Myers was like my Bill Walt, right? Like for the the previous era, right? Like so that that was pretty cool to think about that. That's kind of why I went local, like like for home for people here. It's a little bit different. Like he's of that ilk now. Like we'll talk about like every general manager following now will be compared to Bob Myers. Great point. You know what I'm saying? Like 
just like Bob Myers was compared to Gary St. Paul. Where are you going to go with that one? Where are you going to go? Gary Fitzsimmons. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, that was right. ideal. Dave Twardzik. That's a great point, though. I mean, you know, it is, important, is, yeah. it is important for journalists, people, you know, readers can think of it, what they think of it is that we have these personal relationships can be good, can be bad. But I think it really adds context that we know them as humans and they know us. And by the way, and they could yell at us that, you know, they Absolutely. Be mad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but that give and take is very important. Uh, some, you know, some of them don't want any part of it, but most of them do. Uh, if, if they take you seriously as a journalist, most of them understand that you're just trying to, un, you know, learn things. You're trying to figure out what's going on. And Myers was very good. It was, did Myers ever get mad at you? Oh, yeah. He he doesn't do the yelling, though. Mm-hmm. You know, you can. Here's Myers tell when he's like. When he starts off with, I mean, you can write whatever you want. Like, that's when he doesn't like it. I mean, you know, I'm not telling you, you can write whatever you want. That's where, like, I'm not really bothered by it. You can write whatever you want. It's like, okay, you know, like this. <laughs> but, yeah, so what made you write that, right? Like, he goes philosophical. <laughs> Did you like, think okay, about this other like thing? That one. Right? He didn't like that. <laughs> that the, the part, though, that I think, and smart readers get this, but, I, you know, I when I covered high school sports, like, I was ready, like I'm per- trying to prepare myself for covering pros. So I'm reading. You could tell who knew the people who made decisions. Like it's like even when you don't say, and you like are the ultimate of this. Like you don't have to say this person said to me this. Mm-hmm. You could tell who knew who was making the decision by the content. Like that's how I knew who to read. Like when you want to know what's going on, and you could tell who never talks to, right? So yeah. it was like, I was waiting for my chance to get in the know, right? I want to be able to get in the know to know stuff. And I want to know the guy who knows stuff so he can tell me stuff. And then I could be the one who my stuff reads like I know. So I know that's a very, like, you know, I'm getting into, no, it's like, image, but it, no, this is journalism this is, movies no, and stuff, but, but that's, is, all I, that's what I wanted. Like, yeah. I wanted that. And so Bob Myers was that for me. Like, he was that, the person who knew on, like, a major level, like, and, I knew him and he knew me and we had this back and forth and I could get information to share with my read. Like I was in the know because I knew the GM, just like, you know, I could tell who knew who was talking to, I could tell who was talking to Jim Harbaugh. Like I already knew, I already (laughs) knew who knew Brian Fabian. I knew who had conversations with, uh, Man, I, I, I wiped out all A's. Billy yeah, B. I was like, I wiped out all A's information <laughs> from my brain. Thanks. Like, <laughs> Thanks. But, but like you could like you could tell that I, I always wanted to be that kind of reporter, like where like it was clear who I knew. So just thinking about that, I was like, yeah, man, that's so in 20 years, like when we talk about this, it's gonna be like my heart is gonna be that figure who was like the executive of this era. You know what I'm saying? And I'll, I'll know that. Like, I'll know I was in on that. that. That's what he was for me. I don't know if Mike, you know, now it's Mike Dunleavy's turn. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe he wins a couple of times. Like, that's that's how it works. That's how it's always worked. So, but for us, that to me is like, when you know you're doing the job well, it's because you know the people who are making decisions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I know. mean, it's a great point. I don't know if, if readers and listeners are going to totally understand it. Maybe they do. They're going to understand a big part of this, though. But it's also, here's the other thing I think is, you know when you write something, he's reading it and he yeah. gets it, like bad or good. But like there, you're not just writing it. Like that's what I've used to compare bloggers and real columnists. Is bloggers are writing something no one's ever gonna read. Like it's just out there. It's something that click clicks or whatever. 
good columnists, good reporters. You write something while you're writing it, you know, they're re- the subjects reading it and you know, they might not like it or they might like it. You don't, you know, yeah. it's, you just know, and but they you know, they're going to read it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they know what you're saying and they know what you literally know in the line while you're writing it. Oh, yes. this is going to be. Man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, you're not like this word. You're not like this word, <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. part of the give and take. And that's what makes like, like, like writing comfort with Harbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you cannot mention the word comfort ever. It was just gone from his dictionary. Like there's certain things you just (laughs) hit with him, but um, but that informs the columns. I swear, and it makes for smart executives too because they pick up on stuff. Like the guys who don't pick up on stuff are bad executives. And part of it is the relationship with certain, you know, with media, with fan, whatever, whatever you want to say. Like that's one thing with Meyer. Like he is was totally attuned. To what the locker room was thinking, what Steve and the coaches were thinking, what the media was thinking, what Raymond Ritter was thinking, what the business, certainly what Joe Lacob was thinking. And I think we're trying to kind of enunciate some of that. Now, my relationship with Bob is different because I cover him at UCLA and I knew him as an agent. He was a great source for me as an incredible source for me as an agent. Um, And then he becomes Warriors executive and just like, yeah, I know this guy can do it. I mean, I knew he could do it. I mean, we didn't know it was going to be like this, but having dealt with previous Warriors organization, I knew that Myers was smarter than, I mean, all the rest and, and, and maybe by multiple, multiple factors. But um, I was thinking, I don't think he's ever really been mad at me that, you know, like God, I mean, I'm sure he hasn't liked some stuff I've written but he's never like that's the uh, thing. He don't really get mad at you. He no. just don't like, like it. Yeah, he, you hear or you feel. Joe, yes. Steve, yes. But Bob is a rite of passage, though, for Joe. I love, uh, I love Joe because you always know what oh, Joe's God, thinking. Yeah, like, you always know. You and then he gets up on the podium and it just goes blurts out of him. It's just completely yeah, like, man, it's all yeah, right I, res- I respect that. I respect that so much. Sometimes you just don't know, right? But yep. I don't know. Quite. John Joe, Fisher. Joe, I'll tell you. Yeah, Joe John Fisher is man of mystery. <laughs> John Fisher never talks to anybody, and Joe Lacob's out there. I always, I people, people rip me because I talk to Joe all the time. I talk to Joe more than most people, but like he's tall, he's answering the questions. Like, what's what you want? You want to understand where they're coming from, and and it's led to him paying a ton of money and then winning four championships. It's like hard to argue with all that. We'll see how it goes in the future. All right, Denver goes up one nothing. MT, you wrote about Aaron Gordon, who was like scoring like crazy early on. Is he ball. Yeah, is he like the key to this? Like there's there's a there's a guy they can throw out at, at a bunch of different Miami Heat players. I guess he started on Butler, right? And then yeah, I mean, that's like a lot of teams don't have that. You can just throw somebody it's, like that. It's unbelievable. It's wild too. Like as we watched it, it shows like like the NBA and like how they're like very clear levels, right? We just watched Aaron Gordon last year in the playoffs, right? <laughs> and there's no Jamal Murray. And he's forced to be more, yep. and he he couldn't do it. But now you put him in this role, he's perfect. Like, if there's like, you know, I know we like to say the number one guy, number two guy, number three guy. Number two was too much. It's like like Goldie, Goldie lost the porridge, right? <laughs> number two was too much for Aaron Gordon. Number three is perfect, right? Like, and you can see that in these playoffs and these series, right? Like, if you need him for a moment, if you need him for a matchup to dominate, like, you can go do that. If you need a game where it's like, all right, here's the here's the scheme, and out of this scheme, you're gonna get you're gonna get open threes. We need you to hit a few of them. Like he can do that, right? And the rest is like defense, hustle, making play. Like it, he makes so much more sense with Jokic and Murray, right? Than he did 
it just didn't look feasible with Jokic and him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, like, that's kind of like, it's very, you know, here right now. And I'm going to say, it was a Wiggins-like role. Very, except Wiggins was really good at number two, right? But yeah. his was more, you don't want him number one. But you could, you, he could, he could well, do he some and Porter, He and two. Porter kind of share that, right? That, that they got yes, absolutely. Like, that's what they absolutely. Got, you know, the combo, Porter played great last night, by the way. Jeez. Like, in a way, he don't normally no. play great. He was like no. five for 16. He, he wasn't yeah. shooting the ball, but he's like rebounding. Blocking yeah, shots. Blocks, shots. Yeah, blocks, shots. It was like, like, yo, this is, there was a moment after the game uh, where he's sitting in his locker. He's got both of his uh, feet in the ice. You know, and he's just sitting there and it's like chaos all over. And he's just sitting there. You can tell he's tired. He's like, almost like, man, I don't ever play defense like that. It's yep. exhausting. <laughs> so KCP does an interview and he's like, yo, like, let me see your ring. Because KCP apparently wore his Lakers oh, championship 2020, ring. 2020 ring. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, let me see your ring. And he's just like, you know, he pulls out his ring and shows him. He puts it on. And you can see in that moment, it's like, okay, he's, they feel it. Like, they feel we're about to win a championship, mm-hmm. right? And so when, when Michael Porter Jr. starts like chase down blocks and put back dunks, you like, oh, okay. He was flying. Okay. He was flying through. The, it was, okay. I mean, different kind of player, but he reminded me of Moody in the playoffs. Like Moody just all of a sudden, you know what? I'm yes. just going to go after every ball. That's what I'm going to do. Like that's just clicked in his head. I can go do this. And Michael Porter Jr., like he was like some of that stuff. I was like, these are tough tough rebounds and he's just flying in there and grabbing them yeah championship, championship level play so i was like yeah. what's he do he just shoots that's all, all he does is yeah. shoots normally he doesn't do anything else and all of a sudden he turns into like this four four tool player like in yeah. this first nba finals game it was like oh they they feel it like they know and, and i think there's there's a michael malone element who's like uh everybody's gonna expect Jokic to dominate like Let's let Jokic chill in game one. Like, let's, like, the other guys are going to do it because at some point, you know, game, the closer, whatever the clincher game is, that's going to be Jokic, right? Just destroy it, bam. It was almost like a psychological warfare. We're going to beat you with Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. (laughs) Of course, you look up and Jokic still has like 27, 14, and 10 on the game. It felt like he was chilling. Like, that dude is, he's another level. But you know what they're talking out here, TK. This is the first of a dynasty. No, there we go. They're going crazy. Those those Denver fans are a little hot. They get hot. They they got a great team. There's no question about that. Uh, And, like, they don't have any free agent issues, I don't think, that I can think of. The only person they might lose is Bruce Brown. Yep. Like, they are. He might be smart to stay. (laughs) Take take the mid-level, stay. Uh, You're you're at the game not, not watching, but... They brought up that uh, both Spolstra's father was a coach, I guess, or whatever. And Michael Malone's obviously father was a big time NBA guy. And they're talking about how these guys, second generation, and they're learning and they're praising him for it. And guess who did not praise Michael Malone on the broadcast about that? Oh, let me see. Let me see. <laughs> who would be? We're totally. I was wondering, is he going to praise Malone? I'm sure he's praised Malone a little he bit. He has before. I heard him say Michael Malone. Yeah. But. That was not a good – that second season of those two guys was not comfortable. And the crazy part is I don't even know if it was based on those two, like, not getting along, right? It was, like, the outside. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about Mark Jackson's saying? tenure with the Warriors. Michael Malone was brought in with him as his number one assistant. It was yeah. like sold. Like, look at Mark Jackson hasn't had coaching but Michael Malone will be his number one guy. And they were good together, but I just think – 
Mark saw Michael as like campaigning. He thought he really thought Michael was campaigning, or at least his father was campaigning for him to get all the credit. And that just fed into all these things that Mark didn't like. And he, he couldn't stand how like, you know, Michael, like he had he had a thing where it's like, all right, Mike, you do the, the timeouts. You got, you know, he felt like he was, you know, preparing his coaches, right? Like giving a he did a Pete Myers or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But like that he became like the motivator and, and Michael Malone was like the X and O guy. It was just felt like it was like a lot of external stuff where normally, I mean, I feel like they had a good relationship. His dad was like a Nick guy. And yeah. Mark Jackson, but, Nick but Mark guy, didn't he just, like, was weird. he didn't like when his dad was doing Like remember that Chronicle yeah. story? He yep. hated that. And yep. I don't know that he talked to Malone much after that. And that's like was early in the season. And that was the beginning of, that breakup and then the next year was the you know ultimate coach wasn't staff. that wasn't wasn't like th- they were like it was a part i remember correctly or might have been a solely co-coaches or something because joe didn't yeah decide yeah. or something joe like love malone yeah so he like we would have could have hired michael malone i think he said that like my like if we didn't hire mark jackson we could have hired michael malone but that was part. I told. I've told. I've had this conversation with Mark. I said, "You sold this yourself." It's like I'm the big picture guy, and I'm. But I don't have a coaching experience. And look, I'm bringing to Michael. That's like how part of how you got the job because I'm not 100 percent sure if he doesn't have Michael Malone that the Warriors hire him. They probably would have, but I'm not 100 percent sure about that. And Mark accepts that. Like he understands. Like I definitely came in with Michael Malone. Same agent. Remember, like it was kind of a package deal, but uh, then Mark Hart fired that agent. <laughs> Elsewhere, he did not not like that because the agent was closer to Michael Malone. Um, and it just kind of fed into some of these things that Mark feels about the business. I get it, I like Mark, I always say that, but that was not a good. I just was wondering if he was gonna like you mentioned the father expressly, and these two coaching lifers who neither one who played in the league, never one could have possibly played in the league. Their praise was Mark going to jump in on that praise, and Mark did not jump in on that praise. But you know, his buddy Jeff Van Gunny is the same thing, same thing, right? I mean, same thing. Yeah, so you know, it's a little bit case by case. But Mark absolutely was stone silent during that that segment. Like, could That's not, hilarious. did not say a word. So, all right, we've gone on long and long and long. We're using Marcus's Zoom account, by the way. So I feel terrible eating all of it up. But we will end this with a version of a question. Uh, that I ask everybody. I don't think I've asked Marcus. I don't think so. MT, what's your favorite TV show right now? Ooh, uh, I, I didn't think right now. Thinking of all oh, no, whatever. You, you know, you take this where I mean, it doesn't have to be right now, then. I just, that's just. Uh, I'm, I'm on, I'm, I've been on a super, super uh, lawyer kick. Hmm. So I watched the practice all the way through oh, and I'm on, yeah now i'm on the good wife wow. well, <laughs> for yeah. some reason i'm just really into like courtroom like a minute i'm rolling uh obviously like i was all over succession though like that was that, are you you were succession yeah, guy? a little bit in and out i i thought i i middle me mean old cynical me i don't like a show where there's no positive redeeming features about the main characters like i didn't like any of them shiv a little bit but not real. So I just didn't like nah, not having whatever it. was redeeming about Shiv just straight disappeared. Like exactly. <laughs> so I just like I don't like cynic cynicism, cynicism. Like like Mad Men kind of got to me at the end where there's no positive figures. Sopranos a little bit, and I get it's art, but I kind of went in and out on Succession. I watched the last few shows, but 
Um, and I understand the quality of it. I just don't. I, I can't believe you, TK. And soft hearted old man. I just can't believe you're you. <laughs> this is where people don't understand. I know people <laughs> think you're like Freddy Krueger, but you just drop these little nuggets to let people know you're, you're just a softy. Yes, you want a happy ending, essentially, is what you're telling me. You're I, like, I want hey, to root for someone. I want to feel good, is yeah. what you're telling me. Like. <laughs> I want to root for something. It doesn't have to be obvious. And I don't want, like, Ted Lasso's that kind of went over the top for me. Yes. And I, I kind of liked it, but that I'm, show fell gritting, off I'm gritting my teeth through. I'm, I have the finale still to watch. I'm kind of gritting my teeth through it. But I get, and I get the premise of it. I think it's all right, but I don't want that. I don't want it to be saccharine, but I want something. I want, you know, again, like Sopranos for a while, there were some really positive characters that you could kind of go with. You know, they all had their own weird thing, but you could go with The Wire kind of did. Breaking Bad's another one of those. I'm not sure. I don't like any, I'm not, don't think I'm like any of the characters. So I haven't watched it. I, I may still. Uh, but now nah, you gotta watch it. Succession. I just didn't. I just didn't buy it. I like. I, I see what you're saying though. Like, yeah, I, like I want it, something it to propel me. Like, I, there's something. There's a character here that I'm kind of. You know, weaknesses, yes. You know, do some nasty things, yes. But I want to be with that character. Soprano was. You know, Tony Soprano was for most of that series. Even the terrible things he did, you still were with him, right? You were still. He's in therapy. You're with him in therapy. I love the the the, the, uh, the Lorraine Bracco character, but I just don't see that in succession. Again, I watch it and I go, man, this is crafted great. This is acted incredibly. It's a different but, generation. Like, yeah, like you're they, watching it. Like, yeah. who, who, are you cheering for any of those guys to get to take over? I, I was like, I don't want any of them. And none of them did. Like, I just don't. Exactly. It was built for you to think, I don't want any of them getting this thing. All right. I got to change my submission, by the way, because Go. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a soft dad. You got anything that you reminded me. I'm going with never have I ever. Okay, I've heard of this. Uh, because it's a show that me and my daughter are watching. And, you know, she's 16. And I'm determined not to let her learn about a lot of stuff from her friends. <laughs> so this show, like, it leads to a lot of conversation points. Like, it's it's great. I don't know if anybody, you know, if you know about it, but it's about this essentially, like, coming-of-age story about this uh, Indian girl in high school, like, trying to, like, fit into this suburban, like, atmosphere but she's like from this hardcore indian family and it's it's comedy it's like john McEnroe's narrating but like she ends <laughs> up in all these she's a teenager ends up in all these situations i think uh mandy uh wrote it uh i think it's her show what's oh, her yeah, name mandy yeah, uh, uh i'm uh like Kaylin. uh yeah yeah mindy, no, but Kay- it's, mindy, it's, mindy, it's mindy. much better than what i thought okay uh, it's it's really good but it's a it's a father I'm watching it with my daughter. So that's my, that's my show. That's a good one. That's a good one. Very specific recommendation. People will flock to it. Now they know you're, you're, uh, you're watching it. You recommend it. But yeah, if y'all got a lawyer show for me, hook me up. I'm (laughs) I'm into it. I'm not really in law and order. Yeah. I haven't. haven't, Yeah. Not law and order. Law and order is like a generation. (laughs) LA law was, might've been the last one. I watched a lot of, uh, Ally McBeal. I can't even think of any that I don't watch like network TV. I don't want to be snooty about it, but man, I can't think of the last network TV show. I'm so with you 1000%. Cause you know, uh, uh, the practice I forgot about this led into Boston Legal. Oh yeah, with James Spader. And by the time it got to it, it's like uh, William Shatner's in it. Mm. It just goes from this like kind of grimy, you know, hardcore show, and you can just see it creep into like, okay, this is going to ABC. Like 
prime time. I, I, I didn't like it at all. But David, <laughs> Kelly, David, David the David Kelly quirky character. Yes, <laughs> it just went. It just went yeah. so left. It was crazy. It was like, all right, yeah, I'm done with this show. <laughs> well, with that. Uh, we can end this. And I would thank MT for doing this. I we can a little secret. I had a large guest booked for this week, and that large guest backed out. We won't say who it is. So MT, I'm just a fallback plan. You I'm are. You're the fallback plan. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, this will probably this show will probably do better than that one. Frankly, anyway, people love to hear no us talk. Way. <laughs> I know who the guest was. There's uh, no way. We're not. We're not saying. <laughs> we're not saying. Uh, Would have been really great, but so it goes. Uh, MT. Enjoy Denver. You're there for yet another two off days, right? Before another basketball game. Yep. So uh, I'm sure, I'm sure. And then it's off to Miami. Off to Miami. Where's, so where's the athletic dinner going to be in Denver or Miami? Probably Miami then, huh? I think it's tonight Denver. Oh, big time. Big time. Smart move by the person with the credit card. <laughs> it's like, don't do it at South Beach. <laughs> don't do it at the, with the crap, Joe's crab. Yeah, right. <laughs> don't grab. Yeah, yeah. Do it in Denver and have a, uh, whatever they have in Denver. I don't even know. I, I've been there and there's no, spe- there's no specialty in Denver, right? I can't. Not really. No, no. but there's it's some good a lot of Elway, good Elways, right? There's an Elways. And there is an Elways. Yeah. So, which is good. No, Elways is where, that's where one of the, yeah, I wrote about the big team meals. In, in Warriors history. And I think that was yep. that, that Steve talked about. I think it's in the Ritz Carlton or something like that. So there you go. We're giving our Denver restaurant knowledge. All right, MT. We, we are actually recording this on MT's account, as I said. So I'm going to wrap it up. And MT's the one who's going to have to send it in. But thank you so Love much you. for being on. Thanks so much on the show. Yes, sir. All right. It's show for day, everybody. Thank you.